good advice to help you go on with God. If you have your Bible with you, turn to Hebrews chapter 12, please. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's just read the first two verses. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and the sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's just read the next verse. For consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the worship and also the prayer that's already been offered up. And we know, Lord, that you hear and answer every prayer. Father, you know who this is for for what reason in their life. And it cuts to me first, Lord. So help me, help us all to take thy word, Father, and bury it deep in our hearts and print it upon our minds, Lord, that we we would see Christ and that we would go on with you. Advise us, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse 1, Notice what it says, wherefore, seeing we are, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. If you'll write there, if you're taking notes, looking back, looking back. Now there's things you can look back on that are harmful, that are disappointments, that'll hold you back, that'll pull you down. But this looking back is looking back to something which God has done in the lives of others. And so when the writer here is saying, wherefore, when you see the word wherefore in Scripture, remember this. Read what was before it. Read what was that which was before it. And so wherefore is he saying, now because of what we have already said, what has been before this, what we have is chapter 12. What was read before that? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Notice that. Faith is a substance. Our faith isn't an empty faith. The substance of our faith gives the idea that something that comes up and uplifts you, holds you, carries you, bears you along in the face of collapse. Now faith speaks of faith working now, today. What faith is and when it is, and it's right now. Faith is operating in every heart at this moment because faith has brought you here. Faith in Christ has changed your desires, desires where you would have been at the world, you would have been out somewhere else, doing something else. Faith in your heart has brought you here. So it's operating now in your life. And even when we don't think it, don't feel it, or we don't expect it, faith is working now in spite of ourselves. 
It's what Christ has given us when we came to that saving faith in him. Notice this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith that is, by it the elders obtained a good report. We're about, to, we're not going to read it, but if you read chapter 11, you'll read of the elders obtaining a good report. Through faith we understand that the worms were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not of things which do appear. Now what they're saying, what the writer is saying here is, there's now faith, by faith, and through faith. The elders obtained a good report. Their testimony was good because of it. They trusted God in these things. And of course there's a catalogue of some of them in Hebrews chapter 11 known as Faith's Hall of Fame. And of course through faith we understand the words were framed by the word of God. It doesn't mean that God needed faith. That God done it by faith. He framed the words. It means that we believe through faith that he's the creator of it all. That we believe through faith that he is the maker of it all. So now that sets the scene of where we're going to go into. For wherever you are, for whatever you face, whatever you've heard, whatever you think, whatever's on your heart, your mind, your home, whatever, your health, we have to look and say, well, God, you've created all these things, so you're sovereign. You're the one true living God, creator, keeper, maker, sustainer of all things, and and you be live and move and have our being. Here the idea is that it's all about faith, and then it starts by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch. But verse 6 says, Well, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Here he stops, the writer says, and without faith you can't please God. If we do it without faith, if we're operating without faith, we're not pleasing God. For outside of that, it becomes work. It becomes man's hands. But notice what he says here, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh must believe, cometh to God must believe that he is or that he exists. Now the idea is, well people say, well I believe there's a God, but there's no real walk nor challenge in their life. That's not what it means. The idea here is, is if you really know by faith that God exists, that he's the creator of all things, that he's the one who's made all things, that in you, in him, you live, move and have your being, then the idea here is then you will walk accordingly to your faith and you'll be pleasing in his sight. So the idea here is now that the, the writer is telling us that it's not that we just say, oh, well, I believe in God. The devil believes in God. The idea is that we have a consciousness of the reality of God, a consciousness in our lives and even in the quiet times or whether it's in the private times. We know God is real in times of trouble. And we know God is real. We're, we're always saying to the children, you used to see here, well, you used to hear growing up all the time, ah, God's watching you. <laughs> and you know that's true. But many Christians don't really believe that anymore. Because if we did, we would live different. We would live different. We would speak different. We would act different. So, looking back, the record wherefore in chapter 12 verse 1 looks back to Hebrews chapter 11 and sees all these men and women are mentioned of faith. But here's the thing, it's not the men and the women, it's the God whom their faith is in. That's the difference here. It's the God whom their faith was in, it's God working through them. 
Now, when you go to chapter 12, we'll not read down. Read through it all uh, when you go home or whenever you get a chance. Then it goes, Wherefore, because of this, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. See the term here, cloud of witnesses? It's a word, martus. It's where we get our word martyr from. A martyr. And it gives the idea of a, a living martyr here. People die for their faith, but this is a living martyr. The testimony that they've left behind. It's a record that they've left of those whose lives testified to the worth and the effect of faith in their lives. And it's not just any faith. Remember, it's the faith of the God who made all things. It's faith of the God of the Bible, not faith in the God of the Bible. And so here the idea is, look look back. See what God has done in the past and realize he's still the same. He's still the same. He's the same God. So here are some things that we're to do that we're told it's good advice to help us go on with God. He says, Wherefore, seeing we are, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Here's the first one. Let us lay aside every weight. Lay aside every weight. The term here, let us lay aside, it gives the idea of loose garments which may trip someone up, cause them to stumble and fall. So the loose garments in our life, the loose garments which causes us to trip, stumble and fall, it's just time to tie up the loose ends and start running the race. That's the idea of it. Because of the faith that these people had, because of the God who they had their faith in, because of what he has done in the past, he's the same today. He says, but many are still tripping and falling because their garments. Gives the idea of the long flowing garments and someone trying to run it wraps around their legs and stumble and fall. Peter talks about girding the, uh, the loins of your mind. And what that is, is the things that are in our mind that causes us to trip, stumble and fall keeps going over and over in our minds and in our hearts and we keep stumbling at it. Peter says, gird it up. And what they used to do with their long garments were they used to pull them around the side and tie them up. Sometimes they tied them between the legs like a big nappy and they used to be able to run. (laughs) That's what they used to do because they used to trip and fall. If they had to go somewhere quick, they girded it up. Peter uses it to say, the loins of your mind, look, you've got so much clutter in your mind, it's girding your, you're girded, you're not girded up, you're, you're loose garments. And everything that causes us to stumble and fall, he says, time to tie them up once and for all. Now notice, the term here, uh, to lay, let us lay aside, it gives the idea of not letting anything hinder your progress. Not letting anything hinder your progress. And the, the Greek word for the term, let us lay aside, is a apatathemi. Listen to what it means, really. To put away, to cast away, to cast off, to lay aside, to lay down, or to lay apart from. Things that causes us to fall. And the Lord says, separate it from you. If it's someone, separate it from you. Notice this. 
Let's go and look at this cast off from it. Romans chapter 13, please. Romans chapter 13. You know, it's so easy to say, you know, I'll go and I'll ask the pastor, is it this, is it that, is it the other thing, should I do this? Let the Spirit tell you. Let the Holy Ghost tell you. Romans chapter 13, verse 12. Notice, let's read verse 11, it's a good verse. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in ratting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. So here are loose garments. It keeps us in darkness and we trip and fall on them. Notice what he says here. Let us cast them off. It's the same word to lay aside here. So here are some of the loose garments. Let the Spirit speak here. Let him tell you what you should do. So then look at it says in verse 14, what we should do next. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. So let's look at another one in the book of Ephesians. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, and just let her run on down the chapter to verse 22. That you put off, the word put off is the same here for lay aside again. It's the same meaning. Concerning the former conversation, the old man. The former conversation is the former lifestyle. The lifestyle changes when a man and woman are in Christ. Put off the former conversation. Look, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. The word according is the word kata, K-A-T-A. It gives the idea of dominance, pressing down. And, and what the word of God is saying to us this evening is, the old man that keeps creeping up, the old habits, the old lifestyle, the old, uh, some of the old man, uh, the old woman, I should say also, uh, when they creep up, what, what they do is they, they, they haven't changed any. The, the Lord hasn't been able to work in areas. And he says, put it down. Put it down. That's the old life. Live in the new. And notice what he says here. According kata, to the deceitful lust. There's deceitful lust and they have dominance in the life. That's the idea of it. It dominates parts of our heart. Dominates parts of our life. Dominates part of the Christian Notice what he says in verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your where? Of your mind. Renew your thinking. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying. Some people are blatantly lying, he says. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. Why? Because that is another thing. That's one of the commandments that men would break. 
It's one of the Ten Commandments. For we are members one of another. Notice what he says, be ye angry and sin not. So there's a righteous anger. There's a time to be angry. Let not the sun go down, to your, go down on your wrath. Notice, neither give place to who? The devil. You know what, the, you know what Paul's saying here? See these things here? That's the devil. It's a devil. Okay, let's go to another one. Verse 20. Tell you what, we'll move on quickly. Um, Ephesians, Colossians chapter 3, because of a few of these just jotted down, and I want you to see them. Chapter 3, verse, verse 8. But now ye also put off all these. Here's all these loose garments. Put off all these. Anger. If a man and a woman cannot contain their spirit, then it's not off the Holy Spirit. Notice here, put off anger, but yet we're told in the last one there's righteous anger. That's being angry at the right people at the right time for the right occasion, for the right thing. And then there's that which is not. You and I must be able to rule our own spirit. But now I put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Wow. Paul's writing to the church here. Filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed. There's the renewing and the old and new. In, the, in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You and I are to show the image of Christ then. So then if we go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, please. And let your eye run down again to verse 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We skip over those, don't we? Just happen to read them. We just read them. There's an Orwee verse. Think about it. Think about it. Wherefore, lay apart, there's the term again, lay apart. It's the same word for let us lay aside. Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. So, First Peter, for our last one on this, First Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, Wherefore? So you'd have to read all of where? Chapter 1. Isn't that right? Wherefore again? So you read the, what's before it. Then when you're reading that, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. So here we're told, laying aside, putting off, it's, the loose garments, and you know what it does? It trips you up, causes you to stumble, and it causes you to fall. And if you don't tie them up, it happens over and over and over again. You know what happens? Everybody in the race runs on before you. 
or someone gets the appointment before you. So start tying all these up. Watch what you say. Watch how you treat people. What you think about people. He says, watch how you walk, how you live your life. Laying aside, notice every weight, he says. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 again, please. Every weight. The word weight here is a funny wee word. It's a word, ungos. And it's only used once in scripture in the the Greek word for it. It's only used once. Ungos is only used uh, once in scripture. And it's here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Now, listen to what it means. Please put the idea of this night that we're talking about running a race, okay? Don't want anybody getting offended at me. It means whatever is prominent, whatever is bulging, it means separate it from yourself, tie up the loose ends, get rid of it that you may run freer. Now, it gives the idea of an athlete encumbered with excess weight. And they used to be, look, if you get someone and they're going to do a marathon, and there's a 26-mile Belfast marathon ahead of them. There's not too many of them you'll see who are up front or even completing it. If they're maybe 20, 30, 40 stone on weight, you know. The idea is they've trained and lost weight. They've trained and trained. That which is excess and bulging. Now, we're not talking about your weight here, so don't, get, don't be falling out with me, anyone. We're talking about here things that are excess, and it gives, means yeah, things that are prominent in your life. That's baggage, the weight that stops you running on in God. That's what they mean. Look, you have things wrapped all around you, all those other things. You have access baggage, the bulges are all over, spiritual bulges all over us. And the Word of God says, you need to lose weight. That's the idea of it. That you may run better, that you will be able to continue on. Every weight and the sin, the word the sin, this is a, a this is quite a big one, and it's the word harmatia. And it can be used singularly or plural for sins. Sin as in sin completely in sin, as in so many sins it's just labeled as sin, or it can be as a plural of people sinning or one person sinning. Harmatia. Okay? So it's one or a group. This is what it means to miss the mark. To wander from the path of uprightness and honor. To do or to go wrong. To wander from or to violate God's law. To wander from or to violate God's law. So now, when we go back to look at what happened in chapter 11, these people are full of faith. These people are going on in God through all their trials. Wherefore, because of this, they're looking back. Now what we're doing is we're looking within. We're looking within. We're looking at the present. James chapter 2, please. James chapter 2. Harmatia means to violate or wander away from God's law, right? So let's keep that in mind for a moment. And turn to James chapter 2. 
That's where I just run down to verse 8. Verse 8. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of it all. For he that saith, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. If thou commit adultery, yet if thou kill, art thou become a transgressor of the law? So speak ye, and so do, as they that be judged by the law of liberty. What is the writer James saying here? He's saying here, there's none of us are able to completely keep the whole law. We live in grace. But for us to say, I can keep the law better than you, or my life is better than yours, (laughs) you know what he's saying? You've just sinned. You're the bigger sinner. That's what he's saying. The actual idea for harmatia here is the transgression, the violation of the law for the first commandment is you to love your neighbors yourself. Which means one's not better than the other. Think about it. So whenever we're looking at this, and James also says here, if you keep all the law and offend in one point, you're guilty of it all. Someone may offend on a different point or many points, and they're guilty of it all. We have law, and a lot of teaching today seems to emphasize that the opposite of law is grace. It's not. The opposite of law is lawlessness. Lawlessness. It's where you get the teaching of antinomianism, which simply means no law, lawlessness. Where people say, we're so under grace we don't worry about anything to do with the law. But the Bible says the law is written in our hearts. The law is written in our hearts. And that law keeps us right, pointing us always to Christ, who is the grace we need because we fail every day. Every one of us, every single one. Let me give an example. You're driving through Guildford Street here, and it's 30 miles an hour, I think, or whatever it is. Some of you think it's 60. I don't know, but it's 30. And you're driving through here at 40 miles an hour, and a big policeman steps out and waves you down. Do you realize, sir, you're driving at 40 miles an hour in a 30-mile-an-hour zone? You say, ah, (laughs) I'm under grace. (laughs) He's going to say, is that right? Well, here, take this ticket, and whenever you go to pay it, you tell them that at at the kiosk. Or when are you going to go, to go to court? It's no difference. Here's the difference. What if the policeman says, Sir, do you realize, Madam, do you realize uh, that you were doing 40 in a 30 zone? I do. You're guilty? I am. Away you go. I'm going to let you off. That's grace. That's grace. I know I was wrong. Off you go. 
but don't do it again. Here's lawlessness. That Peter lets me off all the time, so I'm just going to fly through here at 40 miles an hour every time in the street because he's going to let me off. That's lawlessness. See the difference? So here we have, James says that if we break the law, we are sinners. First John, please. First John, chapter 3. Verse 4. Notice what John tells us. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. See there? And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Now you say, but we all feel, so we all sin. That's not what he means. If you go into the original in this, read the like of Kenneth Woosh's Greek word studies and, and other Greek uh, Andersons and, and, and all those sort of uh, Greek authors. This is what they say. It means whosoever habitually, continually lives in that sin, they don't even know him. But because we know him, we live in his grace even though we fail. We don't habitually, continually keep it up. We try to move on and walk on in Christ. That's the idea of it. So whenever we look at this, if you go back to Hebrews, please. Go to Hebrews um, chapter 9. And we'll have to finish in a moment because it's more in this than I thought. Do you know throughout the, 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 the book of Hebrews, this word harmartia, for sin or sins. Do you know this word is mentioned the most in the New Testament throughout the book of Hebrews? It's, this, the actual word is 25 times in the book of Hebrews alone in 24 verses. There's one verse that's mentioned twice, and we'll read it now. Um, Hebrews chapter 9, let's read from verse 26, then I'll show you where it is. Verse 26. Okay. For For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world, Hath he appeared to put away sin, there's one of them, by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Now notice this. Go back to verse uh, 28. Christ once was once offered to bear the sins of many. What was Christ offered up for? To bear the sins or the harmatia for you walking away from the law, for you and I breaking the law, for you and I being guilty according to God's law. That's how people will be judged in that day. People aren't going to be judged in how many, how many cigarettes did you smoke and how many beers did you drink? <laughs> Although that's all part of the sinning. They're going to be judged on, did you accept Christ who showed us, showed you here is the, Here's the standard of God's holy law, his royal law, 
I've fallen. Well, that's what they're going to be judged on, not on what they did. Sin is the root. Sins are the fruit. Sin is the root. Sins are the fruit. Now, this isn't, this isn't for someone to say you're such a sinner. This is the idea. Please get the idea of this. It's good advice to help you go on in God. Tie things up. Get things right. God wants to use you. He wants to do so much more with you. He wants to pour into you. He wants to bless you. And until our hearts are right, I'm not just talking about, oh, well, I've asked Jesus into my life or I've done this out of the earth for the Lord. Until the old man and the old woman are crucified afresh and nailed down. There's people and they're saved and, and yet they're like a bag of weasels. You couldn't look at them sometimes. It's not true. They have a face tripping them. And they don't, you know, they come in, I'm a Christian, full of the joys of the Lord. You know, are you? Why should you tell your face at all? Your heart might feel it, but your face doesn't show it. I'm not talking about anybody in here, by the way. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But can you see this? Because we're tripping up. We're stumbling. God wants to use you for more. So the sins mentioned here are the wandering from God's law, violating God's law, those of us who have broken or transgressed God's law. And what happened? It was yours, it was mine. Sin. And it was placed on him. He was offered to pay for that. Let's read verse 26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. The idea here is, he's looking back at the temple. And the writer's saying, look, see the temple sacrifices going over and over and over and over and over again. If that was if that was to do with Christ, then it would have been, if all had been Christ, you would have had him sacrificed over and over and over again. Look, the mass is the unbloody mass of the Roman church, Roman Catholic church, has him sacrificed over and over and over and over and over again. But the writer here said, no, he did it once and for all. It's never to be repeated. And what did he do? He says, you're a lawbreaker, but I'm going to keep the law that you can't keep. I'll not deviate nor vary from God's law, my Father's law. I'll keep it for you, so then I'll take all of your sin, all of your law-breaking, all your wandering, and be led in me, and when I hang on the cross, I go to the grave. He says, I'll carry it away from you. Notice what it says here again in verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him. Now you notice, we're going into Hebrews 12 and verse 2, looking on to Jesus. And to those who look for him, shall he appear the second time. See in verse 26, he appears the first time. He hath appeared to put away sin. Not appeared to put away sin as if it appears he put away sin. That's not what it means. He appeared, he was manifest to carry away our sin. The second time he comes, he's coming without sin. Why? Because he's holy. Because he's pure. He's carried our sins away from us. It's like the hymn writer says, Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day. So he's coming without sin. Why? That in these rotten old carcass bodies that are dying, that you and I have, he's going to change us in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and there'll be no more sin. No more struggling. Isn't that fantastic? I remember I heard a preacher the other week was listening to him and he says, 
I'm preaching myself happy. I'm starting to bless myself here, have I? So wherefore, seeing, looking back, the past, lay aside every weight and sin which doth so as he beset us. That's the present, looking in. Which doth so easily beset us is the word eupeiristatos. And that's a big mouthful. Listen to what it means. Here are three words it's made up from. You is, means well, good, okay, well. Peri, you peristatos, or peri is the second, which means around. And the last one, statos, means to stand. Here's what it gives the idea of. Skillfully surrounding to him you in. Besets us. You know the runner in the race? The runner's girt up the loins of his mind. He's girt up his loins, cut off all the loose ties. All the hurts and all the things we're holding on to because we like to nurse them sometimes. Isn't that right? Some people like to nurse their offense, don't they? And you gird them up and you cut it all out and let you run freer. And we've lost a bit of weight now in the spiritual sense. We've lost the weight. There's no bulging access or weight to carry what's going to exhaust us as we go along. And now we're starting to run. What happens? Well, every opponent, do you ever see them when they run around the track and they get hemmed in by all the rest of the opponents all around them and they can't get out to make the sprint? It's the idea of it. So we looked in, now we're looking all around us, circumspectly, as Peter would say, I'm not letting anyone, I'm not letting anything hem me in from going on with God. Come on, sometimes things hem us in. We allow it to happen. We see it encroaching and we just sit there like a dead duck and just wait till it comes around us. And you see the runners, they make their way out that others are coming in and they move around them to try and get on. That's the Christian life. That's the walk with it. Let us run, it says, with patience, looking around us, that is, the race that is set before us. And we all know what patience is. But patience here gives the idea of, it's not patience which sits down and accepts things. Christian, that's not the type of patience. Sitting down. That's it then, I'm just beating that something. Just blah, blah, blah. That's it, I'm fed up with us. No, it's not what it means. Not the patience which sits down to accept things, but patience which masters them, that means. Which masters them. A patience which has determination and endurance, which refuses to be deflected and defeated. An inner lining in the spirit. Lord, is that coming against me and that coming against me and that said about me and that was done and I'm not sure about this and I'm not sure about that one. Listen, you don't need to say, Lord, I couldn't care less. I'm keeping my eyes and you ain't going on. I ain't going on. And the word here, the race, is the word agon. It's where we get our word agony. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy when people are against you. It's not easy when people run you down and speak bad of you. It's not easy when you're not feeling well. It's not easy when your loved ones play up against you or kick the heel up against you. It's not easy when all these things are done. But you know what? It's an agony. But the Lord says, listen, just keep running. Cut all those things out. Wrap up the loins. 
lose that bulging access weight you're carrying. You don't need to carry this one, and you don't need to carry that one. And look, you don't need to, it's good to help. Don't get me wrong, it's good to encourage people. Sometimes there's those that just drain you. And you've tried so long, there's no more you can do. I'm going on. I'm going on. Set before simply means to lay in sight of one. So in chapter 12, verse 1, we have the witnesses. Now the witnesses aren't your godly granny and granda looking over the battlements of heaven, going, go on, you girdie, you're doing great. Oh, look at them, well, that's all. The way you stand around the school sports field. Oh, look at her, we such and such. No, isn't she doing lovely? And she was last. <laughs> well done, you done, you were brilliant. That's not true. It's not what it means. It's not what it means. The cloud of witnesses aren't those around battlements of heaven or something. That's not what it means. What sort of heaven would it be if your parents that were godly or whatever were looking over at you, maybe going through hardships? What sort of heaven would that be? (laughs) Think about it. You know the cloud of witnesses here? The faith that they have left behind in their God who is the same for you today. That's the cloud of witness. That's the cloud of witness. So wherefore, because of all these cloud of witness, what God has done with them and through them, he says, let's run. Cut everything off, it's going to hinder us. And let's run. Let's run. Where will we go? Well, verse 2 of chapter 12 tells us. Verse 2 says, looking on to Jesus. Now we're looking upward. Now we're looking upward. See, before you were Looking down, and then you look back, and then you look in, then you look around, and now you look up. The author and the finisher of our faith. And then in verse 3, it says, For consider him. Here's the final thought Is he worth it? Is he worth it? Not is the church worth it. Not as the minister or the brother's sister worth it. No. Is he worth it? And the answer is yes.